welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, a judge has sentenced former Casino Control Commission contractor Stephanie Barnes. A woman is arrested in connection to the murder of her children's father. The EPA has completed its sequential sampling study related to the potable water system on St. Croix. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. After delays and being ordered to represent herself, Stephanie Barnes was sentenced today in district court. On count five of the superseding indictment, conspiracy to commit theft of federal funds, she received 33 months. On count 23 of the superseding indictment, conversion of government property, she received 44 months. On count 30 of the superseding indictment, filing false tax returns, she received 12 months. Judge Robert Malloy counseled Ms. Barnes from the onset that she is required to behave in a professional, respectful, and civil manner. Appearing in shackles around her ankles and wrists and escorted by two U.S. Marshals, Ms. Barnes engaged in a protracted allocution, stating that she is intransigent in her truth, that the government falsified, created a fake check that didn't exist, that the government doctored transcripts, that she is not a lesbian, that she does not do things for money, that she could be out here affecting change instead of standing in shackles before the judge, and that she cannot be faulted because she had a friend who was dishonest and deceitful. Barnes's sentence will be served concurrently. The Virgin Islands Police Department reported that at approximately 10.35 a.m. yesterday morning, 19-year-old Nishai Francis was dropped off at Snyder Regional Medical Center on St. Thomas with a gunshot wound to his upper body. According to police reports, he was rushed into surgery, but subsequently succumbed to his injuries. His death marks the 20th homicide on St. Thomas this year and 37th for the territory. Anyone with information about the crime is asked to contact the Virgin Islands Police Department at 340-774-2211, the Major Crimes Unit at 340-642-8449, or Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477 or by calling 911. During a Senate Committee on Rules and Judiciary Confirmation hearing, Kevin McCurdy, the nominee for Commissioner of the Department of Finance, could not give a clear answer to Senator Carla Joseph's inquiry into why government vendors are not paid on time. And that goes to an early answer that I, I gave, I think, to a question that you had asked, where I was mentioning that our revenues are seasonal and our bills are constant, and we need to find a way to kind of bridge that gap. And we've engaged with uh, discussions with our banking partners, but those discussions are ongoing, and we can talk about it. Off I don't just don't want to frustrate that you know discussion. Yeah. Senator Donna Fred Gregory pointedly asked Mr. McCurdy whether or not all of the budgets for fiscal year 2024 were loaded and available to varying government departments and agencies. Mr. McCurdy responded that it was a function managed by the Office of Management and Budget. With Senator Donna Frick Gregory pointing out, it was something he should be aware of so that the Department of Finance could begin to expend monies to varying agencies. I'm not asking you if you loaded them. So I, I don't ask know you that. if all of the budgets are loaded and your department is prepared 
to begin obligating and expending their dollars. So I, I, I totally understand that that's not your rule. However, once they are loaded, then you can work. So then my question is, can you work for FY 2024? We've been that's working right. for FY 24, yes. So all of the budgets are loaded? I don't want to say that because I don't know that for sure. You don't know if all the departments and agencies' I budgets are loaded? That. I can't say that with 100% certainty, no. I just don't want to lie to you and say, yes, 100% of it but is loaded. But don't you believe, and I'm going to, I know that the chair wants some, don't you believe that that's something that you should know? That all mm -hmm. of your budgets are loaded and your department is ready to roll? And if they're not loaded, you should have received correspondence from OMB saying, hey, we have not loaded X or Y budget? I think, I think you're absolutely right, yes. If, if it hasn't been done, I should know, and that is on me, but I don't know. I don't, I can't say that with 100% certainty. I would like you know. <laughs> You need to know. You You're need right. to know. You're right. Senator Alma Francis Heiliger questioned Mr. McCurdy's character, though, citing his signature on a letter from Government House, vetoing a resolution she sponsored honoring Wayne Faxman Adams. Mr. McCurdy was in the role of acting governor during a time when both Governor Albert Bryan Jr. and Lieutenant Governor Trigenza Roach were out of the territory. My thing is, as of this current moment, I believe character and capability go hand in hand, because at some point, some one of them conflict with each other, or sometimes they enhance each other. I know that the governor was out of town, and these I have been made assured that were his sentiments. But as the individual that signed off on that document, I'm trying to figure out, are, is this the way you think as well? Because I would be very concerned that someone that only believes or feels that people that are elected or ambassadors should only be entitled or recognized by their own community, that is an attitude I would not want to have someone running or managing our money. That's a major concern for me. Is this your thought process or well as well, or were you just rubber stamping something? Senator, thank you for the question. Um, I'm not sure how to, how to uh, respond to that question, but I, I, I hear the concern, and, and, and I hear the concern. Senator Heiliger attempted to push for an actual response, with Rules Committee Chair Senator Diane Capehart citing timing constraints and requested that Senator Heiliger address her concerns when Mr. McCurdy goes before the full body. Mr. McCurdy's nomination was ultimately voted upon favorably in the Rules Committee and will be forwarded to the full body for further consideration. Yesterday, the Environmental Protection Agency completed its sequential sampling study related to the potable water system on St. Croix. The EPA sequential sampling study shows that the levels of lead at household taps are far lower than those found at the distribution meters that were sampled in September and October by the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority and accompanied by the EPA, DPNR, and the University of the Virgin Islands. The study included investigative sampling conducted at 11 homes on St. Croix the week of November 6. During a Committee on Health, Hospitals, and Human Services meeting, lawmakers received testimony from Vitima Director Daryl Joshin, who testified on all past, current, and future mitigation efforts, health effects, and potential risks to the community as it related to the Bavoni landfill fire on St. Thomas. Over 1.8 million gallons of water was used to extinguish the fire, with 70% of that water coming from private water haulers and a remaining 30% from the Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services, 
refilling from nearby fire hydrants. Director Joshin testified that the Virgin Islands Waste Management Authority's future plan is to use the recent $6 million EPA DPNR Waste Diversion Grant to develop standard operating procedures for the handling of green and other waste territory-wide to mitigate an event of this magnitude from occurring again. The current cost of the response efforts, estimated as of October 27th, is $1.07 million. That's not including the actual cost for the Puerto Rico National Guard's aviation support. Who would be responsible for the costs associated was one question Senate President Noble Francis had for Director Joshin. So it is 100% borne by the territory, and we are in a state of emergency. The guidance to me was to work the numbers and provide that to OMB, to, to Governor Bryan. Uh, at this point, we provided Governor Bryan the information, and we do have the actual costs now for the Puerto Rico mission. Um, but we do have a bill to pay, and we have a tremendous bill to pay, and thank you to the community. But ultimately, it goes back to payment through the, the territory, sir. Senator Kenneth Gittins expressed concern to the impacts the fire had on residents living nearby. The Department of Health Commissioner Justa Incarnacion stated they not only provided operational support to emergency responders, but addressed health concerns by residents. One of the things that we did at that time is, one, we worked with human services to ensure that we, if there were anyone that felt unsafe, that we pulled them out. We had one family and we did that. And we kept in contact with them along with human services until they were able to return home. Senator Gittins followed up expressing concerns on possible hazardous, long-term effects the fire could have on area residents, with Director Joshin providing clarity. Uh, the key thing I want to emphasize that this is really considered a uh, a wood-burning event. Again, there's no contaminants, and that was the emphasis in the testimony. And again, Department of Planet Resources verified that, National Guard verified that, to include the EPA looking at the data also. And that's what they have, the, uh, the purple air monitoring program that's established right now with the University of Virgin Islands through DPNR is continuing Sorry. monitoring for the air quality index like you would get from a normal burning event like we had up in Canada into New York. Those are in place also for that, and that was reported by university and DPNR. There's nothing that would be harmful to individuals based upon those 22 days, sir. You're listening to the WTJX News Feed. I was once an attorney at OCB, and I was responsible for 350 cases at one time. In a perfect world, if you could wave a magic wand, how many attorneys do you think it would take to properly service your office? Six. Those were the words from Chief Negotiator for the Office of Collective Bargaining, Joss Springen, who recently sat down with Leslie Comision, host of the WTJX TV series, Comes with the Territory. Attorney Springett addressed mounting concerns on her office's capabilities to negotiate various union contracts. Joining her was Lieutenant Claudius Hippolyte, the president of the Law Enforcement Supervisors Union, who remarked on newly acquired vehicles that have been sitting in the property and procurement lot for some time. Our contract have where we drive cars for three and a half years. We have had the cars for a very long time. Now, the cars are in good condition, so we don't mind driving them. But the contract is clear. After three and a half years, the car is supposed to be removed and new one supposed to be put in place. And what is the obstacle right now that are keeping the vehicles at property and procurement in the location and not being put into utilization? And so that's the issue with the union here again. We don't know. We have not had a seat at the table to find out these issues. For this full discussion, tune in to Comes with the Territory on Sunday at 1 p.m. on WTJX-TV Channel 12 with a replay at 7 p.m.
Police have made a second arrest in connection to the October 21st shooting death of 31-year-old Kristim Hansen on St. Thomas. Susan Assad was arrested under a warrant issued and charged with accessory after the fact. Police previously arrested 20-year-old Rashawn Jackson on November 22nd in connection with Hansen's murder. On Saturday, October 21st, the 911 call center received reports of several shots fired and a man down in the area of a Havenside Pier bar. Security personnel at the bar told police there was a physical altercation between Hansen and several men inside the bar, which ended up in the parking lot. Witnesses told police that both Jackson and Hansen retrieved firearms from their vehicles. Surveillance footage reviewed by police showed Jackson going to a black Ford F-150 truck while Hansen went to his vehicle. Hansen then walked to the middle of the parking lot and began firing toward the truck before turning and falling to the ground after apparently being shot. Jackson then got out of the truck and ran over to Hansen and continued to fire into the victim's body. He reportedly picked up Hansen's gun and continued to shoot him. Jackson then got into and sped off in a black Toyota Camry. It was later identified to have been driven by Susan Assad. Officers in the area who had heard the gunfire stopped the Camry that was speeding away and spoke to the driver. According to an affidavit, while they were speaking with Ms. Assad, they saw a man, later identified as Jackson, running towards the Tap and Still restaurant, where he was then detained. Speaking with detectives the following day as they continued investigation into Hansen's murder, Susan Assad said the victim was the father of her children and that on a night in question, a man she didn't know offered to buy her a drink, leading to the altercation in the bar. Assad said she got in her car because shots were being fired when an unknown man jumped in her car and she began driving away. The following week, detectives received a subpoena for Jackson's cell phone and call logs received showed that the number Assad provided to police appeared on Jackson's phone numerous times, leading police to believe that Assad knew Jackson and was attempting to drive him away from the crime scene. During the recent Committee on Health, Hospitals, and Human Services meeting, Senator Angel Bocas presented legislation to establish the Safe Haven Newborn Protection Act, aimed at providing a mechanism for a newborn infant to be relinquished to a safe environment, and for the parents to do so anonymously, avoiding civil or criminal liability. One bill testifier, Darian Torres Hairston, executive director of the Nana Baby Children's Home, stated that in 2021 alone, 31 babies were placed in dumpsters, found in backpacks, or discarded in other dangerous locations. The following day, the bill was presented at the Rules and Judiciary hearing, where lawmakers voted on it favorably to be moved to the full body. Senator Bolk has stated he was thankful to his colleagues for supporting the measure. It's actually very exciting that my colleagues have bought into the notion of what the Safe Haven Newborn Protection Act is. It's already across all 50 states, all the other territories except the Virgin Islands. So we would be able to join the Safe Haven Alliance, the National Safe Haven Alliance. And the primary purpose is to safeguard you know, newborn infants from abandonment. Senator Bolk has said the bill was a proactive step in ensuring the safety of those who may not have strong family support. I think historically or culturally our society has seen this happen for many, many decades. But, you know, people with strong family backing or bases 
um, you know, give up their child to a family member most of the time, like an auntie, a grandmother, you know, something like that. But as we see more people starting to migrate um, here to the Virgin Islands, they may not have a strong family backing and may want to have the, the option of relinquishing to the safe haven. The Virgin Islands Taxicab Commission announced that they will be holding their annual Veteran Medallion Auction on December 13th, 14th, and 15th. Two medallions for each island will be auctioned on St. Croix, Wednesday, December 13th, at 11 a.m. at the Property and Procurement Conference Room, on St. John, Thursday, December 14th, at 11 a.m. at the St. John Administrator's Office, and on St. Thomas, Friday, December 15th, 11 a.m. at the Property and Procurement Conference Room on the first floor. Applications can be picked up at the Taxicam Commission's offices during regular business hours Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. The minimum acceptable bid is $20,000 for St. Thomas and St. John and $8,000 for St. Croix. A 10% non-refundable down payment of the bid amount is required at the time of the bid or no later than 3 p.m. on the same day. For questions and additional information, contact the Virgin Islands Taxicab Commission's office at 340-693-4211. Lieutenant Colonel Jamie Cornelius, the 104th Special Troop Battalion Commander, is inviting the Virgin Islands National Guard members, retirees, supporters, and family members to their annual holiday meal this Sunday at 1 p.m. at the John H. Woodson Junior High School. It's an annual tradition that we normally have where we invite our service members with family and our retirees to thank them for all that they've done for us over the years. Uh, this year is special because it's the 50th anniversary of the Virgin Islands National Guard. The Guard was started in October 1973. And so all this year we've celebrated 50 years of, of service to the community and to the nation. And so we're having this, this family meal. It will, be, it will be held at the John H. Woodson Junior High School on St. Croix. And cost for the meal is $8.30 for our junior enlisted members and then for senior enlisted as well as family members and retirees is $11.20. You're listening to the WTJX News Feed. The Virgin Islands Government Hospital and Health Facilities Corporation Territorial Board will hold an executive meeting on Monday, December 11th at 6 p.m. via teams from the board office at the Governor Wang F. Louis Hospital on the island of St. Croix. If you have questions or concerns, Call the Governing Board office for Ms. Helen Danielson at 772-7324 or email hdanielson at jflusvi.org. The Department of Agriculture is accepting applications for the 2024 Livestock Farmer of the Year competition. Registration deadline is Friday, December 22nd, and the first judging will be held the week of January 8th through the 12th. Livestock farmers who are interested in participating in the competition are asked to contact Ms. Renee Charles at 340-778-0997, extension 3303. St. Croix residents should be aware of ongoing road projects taking place in the Altona Lagoon area. The box culvert, which sustained damage during the 2017 hurricanes, has been repaired and project contractor Virgin Islands Paving is currently paving failed sections of the road, including the roadway, to the Caribbean Kidney Center. Road striping will be completed at a later date, and construction at the Altona Lagoon Bridge is currently underway. As we update the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. A dispute over access to a roadway 
may have led to the death of two Canadians on the island of Dominica. Reporting from the AP News says that authorities in Dominica are investigating the murders of a wealthy Canadian businessman, Daniel Langloss, and his partner, Dominique Marchand, who both owned an eco-resort on the island. According to police, the victims' bodies were found last week in a car that had caught on fire. Sherma Dalrymple, Dominica's director of public prosecutions, said that two men charged in the case appeared in court on Wednesday, but were not required to enter a plea. She said they will remain in jail and appear in court in March. Local media citing court documents said one of the men charged, American-born Jonathan Scott Larere, had been involved in a years-long dispute over use of a road that runs through his property, the Boys Coatlet, that leads to the couple's eco-resort, Culibri Ridge. Authorities in Dominica said they have requested independent investigators to help with the investigation and have been in touch with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. In our final update on the newsfeed, keep your umbrellas on hand for the possibility of scattered showers. Meteorologist Eric Weglars has the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Sunshine and clouds continue this afternoon area-wide. Scattered showers are possible at St. Croix. Temperatures hold in the middle 80s. Winds from the east-northeast at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find more showers towards sunset. Temperatures are similar in the middle 80s. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. Tonight features scattered showers mainly after midnight area-wide. It's mostly cloudy. Temperatures will fall back in the low 70s at St. Croix. Winds from the northeast at 20 to 25 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, similar story. Scattered showers after midnight. Lows back in the low 70s. Winds from the east-northeast at 20 to 25. Gusts a bit higher, close to 30. And Saturday features mostly cloudy skies with scattered showers, especially in the afternoon. Highs reach the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the east at 20 to 25. Gusts as high as 30. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find scattered showers throughout. Highs reach the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 25 to 30, with gusts as high as 35 towards sunset. That's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. If you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.